It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Thanks so much Kilmeade. for listening, everybody. The Brian Kilmeade Show, 1 866 408 7669. We're going to have Senator Ron Johnson, Rick Scott, and Senator Portman not on our show, but they're going to have a roundtable to discuss the unprecedented surge in illegal crossings. We just got the numbers. Do you know what it is? 1.7 million. It's the second highest ever. And you know what they're talking about at MSNBC and CNN? January 6th committee. January 6th. Are you kidding me? New poll finds that three and four Republicans want Donald Trump to run for president. So if you think of in 2024, so if you think you're going to run down Donald Trump so he doesn't run again, you're mistaken. You can't impeach him for a third time. But I digress. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The top Democratic priority that appears to be out is a provision that would have made community college tuition free for everybody. Another proposal that is most likely going to take a hit is guaranteed paid family leave, which could get reduced from a proposed 12 weeks to, let's say, as low as four weeks. Wow. Uh, Hail Mary huddle. As President Biden's spending Palooza getting closer to a Democratic deal, the details on the discussions and how much it could be costing this reeling American economy. Number two. A vocal group of first responders are strongly pushing back against vaccine mandates. We've seen protests in Los Angeles where today is a tentative deadline for city workers. While across the country, some law enforcement officers and firefighters are choosing to resign rather than get the vaccine. Oh, and it's just the beginning. Mandate mania and COVID-19. More are now losing their jobs than their lives over the virus, creating hate, anger, and angst in law enforcement, military forces, private companies across the board. This is unacceptable and avoidable. Number one. You believe we have a crisis at the southern border, yes or no? Does it really matter whether we call it a, a major challenge, a crisis, a, a, a big problem? Are you saying there, there's I, not a crisis at the border? Senator, I no, I don't think there is. Is this unbelievable? That's the guy that wants to be the head of the Border Patrol, Chris Mangus, making it worse. The new Border Patrol chief, if confirmed, but not only can't fix the border, the broken border, he won't even admit it is broken. The problem for him and Joe Biden, almost everyone in America does feel it is broken. And every signal to illegal immigrants is come one, come all, and not even telling the governors that we're putting these kids these young adults in your state, in your county, and not give you any money for it. If I was to script the worst presidency ever, I wouldn't have scripted something this dire. But these are all self-inflicted wounds. You didn't cause the pandemic, but not going after China and pursuing it because of it is inexcusable. You didn't cause the surge in imports, but not having a plan to get rid of the glut is inexcusable. To sit there and get out of Afghanistan because it's an, because it's a campaign pledge and do it the way you did is inexcusable. But again, the American people are not giving him a pass. Quinnipiac has a poll. 37% approve of the way he's doing a job. I know CBS had him at 50. I don't know what kind of calculus they're using, but Quinnipiac, hardly friendly to Republicans. I don't remember one good poll for Donald Trump on that. All good for, uh, all good for Democrats. So this guy, Chris Mang- uh, Mangus. 
Uh, he is uh, was a border. He was the chief of police over in Tucson, Arizona. Terrible, totally permissive, pro sanctuary city. So that made him a perfect uh, chief of border patrol nominee for President Biden. I kid you not. This guy knows the wall isn't being built. He knows the policies have caused over 100 countries to have illegal immigrants flood our border. He knows that this is the second highest number, and we're not even done with the year, in the history of illegals coming across our southern border. Only 1986 was more, already at 1.7 million. They're not building the wall. There's no Remain in Mexico policy. There are no beef up of consulates around the country to even get more refugees around the world, to even get more refugees in. It is a crisis, but not according to this nominee, cut one. You believe we have a crisis at the southern border, yes or no? Does it really matter whether we call it a, a major challenge, a crisis, a, a big problem? No one uh, believes there is greater urgency to this matter than I do. Are you saying there, there's I, not a crisis at the border? Senator, I no, I don't think there is. Is there a crisis or is there not a crisis at the border? Senator, I would say that my highest priority is going. Is there a crisis at the border? Senator, what I'm certainly trying to convey is how serious I take what's happening at okay. the border. I mean, if I didn't hear it myself and didn't want to play it for you, I would say, of course, he has a better answer than just to know. And why isn't it? Instead, oh, I'm just going to thanks for the question, uh, Mr. Senator, uh, uh, Congressman. I, I this what? What are you talking about? Of course, it's a crisis. It's got to be fixed. Nobody says it's not a crisis except Joe Biden won't go and the vice president won't take responsibility. They'll, unless, of course, they think a border patrol agent on on a horse patrol is tre- treating a Haitian immigrant irresponsibly, then she weighs in on it. More from this terrible nominee. Cut to. Would you agree with me that a policy of non-enforcement is a pull factor which is encouraging more illegal immigration? I think that there are many factors that contribute to this. Is that one of them? It is certainly one part of it. So when we show you video and still pictures via the New York Post of illegals landing at 2 in the morning on a plane, being put on buses, and then dumped into economically stressed communities like Brentwood, Long Island, and Bridgeport, Connecticut. That is a go sign for kids in other countries and parents to mortgage what's left of their house and their belongings to send their kids to our country illegally, not go through the process correctly. And when you see that, it's a go sign to them. That is a reason why they're coming across the border wearing... Biden T-shirts. And the reason why when interviewed, they say when Trump was there, they wouldn't have tried. Here's Brandon Tatum, the Tucson police officer who worked with Magnus. We need one Democrat with the courage to say unacceptable. One Democrat. If not, Republicans are powerless because they blew the Georgia Senate races. Both of them. Cut three. You know, from people that I know that work with the Tucson Police Department now, they say that his his policies of not cooperating with Border Patrol continues. He don't want police officers to have nothing to do with Border Patrol. He views Border Patrol as the enemy. The people who work there, the men and women who serve, he's opposed to them. And it makes no sense that they will put him in a position to lead Border Patrol when he have this particular mentality. Unless he has that particular mentality and they want to make it terrible. You know what it's saying? I want to you to leave your door open by mandate and I'm going to flood the area with criminals. I am not saying that everyone who comes across the border is a criminal. Not by a long shot. 
But by allowing illegals to come in, you're asking more to come. And by telling you're not going to lock the door, you are saying that you're now open to being susceptible for this. Now, Panama officials have told U.S. officials, told Marco Rubio, uh, as well as another congressman, that they've gotten at least 50 al-Qaeda members when they did uh, when they did uh, tests on the uh, on these guys to see who they were 50 plus related to al-qaeda biometric tests 50 plus and panama got a brushback pitch from the u.s government from this administration stop speaking out about illegals coming through and that we didn't do anything instead of doing something it's like they're like a they're like a mob they're like a cartel themselves so on the coronavirus it's mandate central And everyone says, well, most of the country wants you to get mandated is for vax mandates. Just be prepared. In every industry in the country, lose 10 to 15 percent of the personnel because a lot of really good people don't want the vaccine or have natural immunity, have other reasons, some exemptions. I'm not sure. But now private business is getting pressure from the White House. Now we have today in New York, they have now mandated all New York City employees, that's city workers, that's cops, that's firefighters, get the shot. Or you are fired and you can't get unemployment. Is this unbelievable? And the result is catastrophic. If you are somebody that doesn't want to get the shot for whatever reason. I got it. I'm not telling you to get it. But when you look at what what they're saying now, you have private businesses that are not signing on to this. And the mandate mania is now including GE, Union Pacific, uh, and I believe IBM. Now, GE decided all 56,000 of employees to get a COVID vaccine by December 8th in line with the White House mandate requiring federal contracts to to make that get to get that done and get the shot or else it looks like they're going to be fired. Southwest has backed off. They're going to set up a testing protocol for those people who don't get vaccinated. That is smart. Portland police not backing off the state of uh, that uh, state of Oregon. Uh, Oregon Police Department has 988 employees fully vaccinated, 190 approved vaccine exemptions, 89 exemption requests, 11 placed on administrative leave, four have resigned. We'll see what happens with those requests. Washington State Patrol employees have lost their job uh, for failing to get vaccinated to the tune of 127. Wow. Uh, Guess what? 67 troopers, six sergeants, one captain, 74 commissioned officers. That's just the beginning. Just on a, on a related note, In-N-Out Burger, which is a very respected fast food chain. I haven't eaten there, but they're everywhere, especially on the West Coast. They were told, check everyone's vaccination status. You know what they said? No, I'm not doing it. They closed it down in San Francisco. And this is what the store says. Our store prop, uh, properly and clearly posted signs to communicate local vaccination requirements. After closing our restaurant, local regulators informed us that our restaurant association must actively intervene by demanding proof of vaccination and photo ID from every customer, then act as enforcement personnel by barring entry from any customer. Do you really think they have security personnel at In-N-Out Burger? They're looking to get somebody to work behind the counter to flip burgers. So now they got to go and pat people down and double-check their proof as if they're selling whiskey or if they're at the door at some club. So they shut them down. Do you realize the angst they're causing, making it worse than anything the pandemic would do? Well, I'm saving their lives. Don't save my life. I got it from here. We understand the rules. 
Maybe you disagree. 1-866-408-7669. But 58% of the firefighters are vaccinated. When you tell them what to do, they tell you where to go. Congratulations, uh, Mayor de Blasio. You're leaving on the terrible eight, your eighth year as you were the previous seven. You're going to have cops and firefighters putting down their badges, taking off their hats. Goodbye. Watch what happens. When we come back, your calls. Rich Lowry at the bottom of the hour. Much more to go over. So glad you're here. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks. It's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This is the most destructive piece of legislation, economic legislation in American history. What it would do to the economy, as you've outlined, destroy jobs, destroy businesses, and make America weak, which is not what we want in this troubled world today. And so what is surprising, and you hit uh, previously with the governor and Senator Tester from Montana, where are these other Democrats who know better? Why aren't they helping? 
helping Senator Sinema and Senator Manchin and stopping this crazy, destructive bill? Why are they allowing themselves to be cowed by the far left and taking orders from AOC and others of the far left? That's the outrage. They know this is a rotten bill, but they won't oppose it. Yeah, that is Steve Forbes weighing in, and he's talking about the spending bill. The $1.2 trillion is controversial. Only 19 Republicans support it, supported it in the Senate, uh, and there'll be a handful in the House. But the one point, excuse me, it was supposed to be $3.5 trillion, is now down to, at most, they say, $1.9 trillion. As high as Joe Manchin will go is $1.5 trillion. But here's what's happening. Intense negotiations. Everyone feels on the Republican, Democratic side and Republican side they got to get it done by Friday. So the president's got a series of high-intensity meetings. And the president says you got to accept between 1.7 and 1.9. They've given up on free community college. They're going to have some type of scholarship. No kidding. Child tax credit extended one year and means tested must be a part of it. That's a big letdown for the Democrats who wanted to make that permanent with no work provision. Elder care and disabled uh, care, $250 billion instead of $400 billion. Paid benefits for leave will only be four weeks instead of 12 weeks. Medicare extension expansion looks like it will extend to elder care anyway, and that's going to include dental as well as vision. Uh, but Manchin says no to the clean electricity program, rapidly replacing uh, coal and gas-fired power plants. The president wants to keep free pre-K and $300 billion investment for climate change, but that's where the rubber could hit the road. Sanders wanted $6 trillion, you can imagine. They haven't even talked about the tax side of this thing, so it could be pr- uh, pretty horrendous still. But Manchin's in there fighting it out. My fear is they're going to come to a deal. Uh, my sense is they will. Cut 17. Whether it's um, $600 or $10,000, under this proposal, the intimate financial details of everyone in this room, of uh, at a minimum of every American who has a job, will be turned over on a daily basis to the IRS. What could possibly go wrong? Um, Republicans aren't perfect, but this stuff is crazy. Uh, President Chi would be proud. And that is Senator John Kennedy talking about the thought, which is now uh, almost ready to be next, that the government will make you report and make banks report if anybody has more than $600 in a bank account. Because they feel as though, even though the taxes are only supposed to be on the rich, go up on the rich, it looks like they're going to target the working class with $600 and up. It has caused such outrage. Now they're thinking about raising the threshold and not putting it in there. Senator Cinema evidently is not for this either. So this is scary. It's scary to think the Democrats are not dealing their American public in, and they're certainly not dealing Republicans in. Cut 19 is Kim Strassel of the Wall Street Journal. For the most part, government spending doesn't do a lot of good. And this is where Democrats, are, I believe, are making their error because they have forgotten that lesson. They've been out there bragging about how big this bill is going to be and how it's going to remedy everything and claiming that these programs are exceptionally popular. But as Americans see the inflation that's going on, they fundamentally do connect that with government spending, which has already been uh, at outrageous levels over the last year. So when they see the spending and they see the inflation and they see the problem with supply side and, and they're seeing that everything they're buying costs more, so they're getting less. And even if their pay did increase, it doesn't keep up with inflation. So they say on average, I think the pay increased 4 percent for those who are working. But the average inflation is 5.2 percent from tires to cereal. You're paying more for everything. So we know the math and the math is terrible. And you can't blame Donald Trump for it. I didn't think. 
it's up to cinema and it's up to mansion to put this down. I didn't want a trillion spent. When we're used to saying a trillion, we have no idea what a trillion looks like. Just know 800 billion. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. After our economy crashed, and you guys were outraged about TARP and how much money the incentive and stimulus package was going to be and how they were going to spend it, guess who was in charge of it? Joe Biden as vice president. I don't think it went well. Now we're going to put $1.9 trillion as well as or $1.7 trillion next to the $1.9 and then the $1.2. Uh, while we still haven't solved the border problem, while kowtowing to the unions, while greening our economy, this is what's scary. The bad, bad thing for me is anytime we're talking global, because I want what's in America's best interest, and how could that possibly be what's in, what the whole world's interest is, and that is to get some of our money and give it to them. This, they're going to go to Glasgow, where the next Paris summit will be, climate summit is going to be. And President Biden wants a win to say, look what I've done for clean energy. He doesn't want to embarrass himself. Who cares? China and Russia could not care less. I don't even know if they are going, but they send a representative, whatever they pledge to do. They never do. So that's why he might give to get. And we all lose because of it. When we come back, I'll talk about that and more with Rich Lowry of the National Review. Go to BrianKilme.com. And order any of my books, including the new one, The President and the Freedom Fighter. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Generally speaking, we've made clear our concerns about the military capabilities that the PRC continues to pursue. Uh, and we have been consistent in our approach with China. Uh, we welcome stiff competition, but do we, not, we don't, do not want that competition to veer into conflict. And that is certainly what we convey privately as well. Wow. Don't want to go into conflict. We're in co- stiff competition, but we don't want to fight. Well, could someone tell China that it's a nuclear weapon, hypersonic nuclear tip weapon that goes around the earth that beats our missile defense? I love competition, but I don't want to I don't want to die of a nuclear attack in the process. We put enough money into our military. Can you find an answer to this? And I don't want to don't worry about talking China down. Rich Lowry is the editor of National Review, author of The Case for Nationalism. His article is about the new missile gap after hearing about and getting confirmation of this hypersonic launch. Rich, do you like the tone of the White House? <laughs> no, I mean competition's fine. Okay, I get the pole vault at the Summer Olympics, you know, sprinting. But in terms of a new technology to potentially deliver a nuclear payload to devastate an American city, that's not competition we should welcome. And this is an extremely concerning development. Basic picture: ICBMs are really fast, but they travel a, a regular, predictable path. Is this? parabolic path. So you can shoot them down, potentially. Cruise missiles are really maneuverable, but are are relatively slow. 
this thing, hypersonic missile, is really fast, really maneuverable and unpredictable. And as you refer to, they, they can they can shoot this thing around the Earth, come up from the South Pole when all our current defenses are oriented towards the North because we've been obsessed with, with Russia. So this is an enormous problem, and we should be really alarmed by it rather than just saying, oh, competition, what a good thing. The, is this our technology? Uh, because I didn't know about anything much about our hypersonic program until Russia started uh, launching some of their or bragging about some of their test launches. And I thought, what's this hypersonic technology? Were we first? Yes, and it, they're obviously using our our technology. China has an enormous program, of course. I mean, it's the greatest act of theft in world history. All the industrial and technological espionage they've done to steal our technology, and so it's it's based broadly on our know-how, which makes it even more galling and and less something to be welcomed with the blase. Hey, competition attitude. Right. Uh, so that's where we go. It looks as though. We are willing to let Iranian oil uh, be bought by China. Since when? Yeah. So, you know, there's a huge energy crunch around the world driven by increasing demand, but but also these idiotic green uh, policies of the sort that Biden is pushing now. We could see shortages or, or really high prices here in the United States over the, the winter. And, uh, you know, and our adversaries are rising uh, overseas and you got prices going up. You had the supply chain disruption, you had the Afghanistan debacle, and all this just continues to exercise downward pressure on Biden. I'm not sure I believe this number, Brian, but there's a Quinnipiac poll yesterday that had his approval rating among independents, I believe, at 26 percent. Right. Uh, you know, what's so strange, Rich, and I didn't look at the science behind it. But Quinnipiac had him at 38 percent approval. Now they got him at 37 percent approval. One week later, the morning consult and CBS had him at 50. I thought to myself, what? I mean, yeah, how could you have wrong. that? Something's <laughs> wrong there. Yeah, it's probably in between. You know, that's always the safest assumption. But it has to do with how, how you screen and, and what's the partisan mix, et cetera. But, uh, you know, he's certainly below 50. This is, there's a couple of things uh, that I want to get your take. There's reality and then how they're handling it. The reality is there is uh, between 70 and 100 barges off the coast of California that need to be unloaded. When asked about it, uh, Jen Psaki is not concerned. Um, She believes it's a good sign uh, that we have all these ships out there. It shows Americans have money and are ordering a lot of stuff. Cut 23. It was clear in March of 2020 when COVID hit that, that the supply chains across the world have been disrupted even as as the sort of work to fight back against COVID proceeded, people, it was, it was crystal clear that things were not improving on supply chain. People couldn't get dishwashers and, and furniture and treadmills delivered on time, not to mention all sorts of other things. So why the is it... The tragedy of the, short, the treadmill that's delayed. She's making those comments and went on to say, well, we got a lot of stuff coming in and Americans, people got to get used to it. And you saw the Washington Post yesterday. We have to lower our expectations about having stores with, with food on them, shelves stocked with items on them, and we can't expect to get everything so quick. Is that the way we should be approaching things? No, of course not. And, and this is a problem every administration has, is when there's unwelcome news, do you try to deny it, you know, because you don't want to be blamed for the unwelcome news and direct people to things that are, that are going well? Or do you frontally 
confront it and say, look, this is a problem, and here we're doing X, Y, Z to deal with it. And that's exactly what they should be doing with the supply chain. It's not just treadmills. It's, it's food. You know, it's, it's, it's staples. And, and the rising prices affect everyone and obviously most severely affect people with, with the least means. So this is a high-handed, arrogant attitude. That's the wrong approach. Now, it's going to be really hard, Brian, to, to – undo the problems with the supply chain because it's, it's up and down every aspect of it. And w- one argument is that actually it's the warehouses that are the root of the problem because they're full. So then you get trucks, and we've seen some of this reporting. It was on uh, Fox just earlier. You know, you, you get get a truck going to a warehouse, can't get into the warehouse, so it just leaves the container and the chassis carrying the container on the street and leaves. So then you're you're down a chassis you know, that you need to pick up the next container. So you can't pick up the next container. The next container stacks up at the port, and then you get the ships backing up, and, and you, you get this really bad cycle. Um, h- how you fix that is, is really difficult, but I think what they should be thinking about, is, is there some way on an emergency basis to, to you know, have the National Guard or someone find more warehouse space? That, that might be one way to begin to unlock this, but, but even then, that's not a magic bullet, and this thing is problem is going to go into next year and obviously affect Christmas. And the problem is that we don't have any workers. Uh, we have we're down. I yeah. could not believe this. We're down minimum sixty thousand truck drivers. Yeah. So some of it is, as I understand it, they've sh- truckers have shifted from long haul to m- more short routes. So in other words, you know, you have some guys who are doing long haul trucking who are now working for Amazon, showing up at your your front door. And one of those Amazon trucks, but it's we're way down in terms of long long haul truckers. And just something broke, you know, during the pandemic, where a lot of people, are, you know, I'm not I'm not showing up for this this tough tough job anymore. Plus, you have the the various payments during the pandemic that at the margins discouraged people from working. So so we have a labor shortage. And even if you every single other system was abundant, we had enough chassis, we had enough warehouses. If you don't have enough truckers. That, that's going to make it hard, too. You know, what's kind of interesting is what's going on with this Virginia governor race. I want to get your perspective on it. So Terry McAuliffe expect to uh, flow through and get another four years. You can't go back-to-back years in Virginia. It's one of those quirky rules. So it's getting so tight. I guess the internals are bigger than the Fox poll, which shows four or five points. They're so tight, they're bringing out Barack Obama, Jill Biden, Stacey Abrams. They have a recording going to 300 black churches, which I don't think is is lawful from the vice president of the United States into a black church saying vote yeah. for Terry McAuliffe and donate, which is unbelievable. But McAuliffe continues to blow up. He got questioned from a police chief. He yells at him. He gets questions from a reporter on mandates. He yells at him, tells him, get him a mask. You're endangering me. And then this happened yesterday with a local reporter. Cut 28. I want to raise the minimum wage. I want paid sick days. I want family medical leave. Glenn Youngkin is against every one of those. He has a Donald Trump right-wing agenda. He will ban abortions. Your viewers should be very clear on this. He wants to ban abortions here in Virginia. He says election integrity is the number one issue. No, it isn't. Healthcare, COVID, education, job creation. All right, we're over. That's it. Hey, I gave you extra time. Come on, man. You should have asked better questions early on. He does not want to answer questions. I mean, and, and the other thing is he cut it off 10 minutes earlier than the other candidates. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they had some place to go, but it's, it's, it's weird not to take that extra 10 minutes. Clearly, you just look at him. 
he looks tired. You know, he, he is under pressure, and you, you've seen it in, in some of these statements, most infamously the ones about education, how parents shouldn't be involved. So Virginia's a heavy lift. You know, it's a 10-point Biden state, but they're clearly running scared. And if Youngkin pulls it out, and, you know, I think there's a chance he does, education will be the, the issue that, that got him over the top. And there will be panic among Democrats nationwide, and it will not in the least help Biden trying to get this reconciliation bill over the finish line on Capitol Hill. And if you factor in the border, almost everything he touches is going to hell. And I'm not exaggerating. He has he has broken things that we didn't even know where he was even touching. And the border is the best example. Afghanistan, a better example. And now you have the economy, the supply chain and these mandates. So let me ask you, Rich, if if 60 percent plus of the country are for these mandates, mask and vaccine, um, you would think as a politician you'd be pretty safe putting in mandates, and maybe they thought they were. But when you lose 15 percent of your fighting force in the military, 15 percent of the small and large police forces now in New York City, firefighters and cops and all city workers got to be vaccinated. If we're going to lose 10 percent of our airline uh, workers, Southwest has backed off that. Delta has come up with a uh, plan B. If we're going to lose 10 percent all across the board, medical workers – are they prepared for that? Uh, to me, this is going to blow up quickly. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm pro vaccine, and you know, private employers can do what they want, but I, I just hate this attitude where people celebrate like crushing people underfoot. Allison Williams over at ESPN, she she has a, a good faith concern about taking the vaccine when she's trying to get pregnant a second time. Why does she have to be fired over that? And, you know, if companies want to encourage people to get vaccines, fine, come up with some, you know, plan. You know, you get tested every week if you don't vac- you, know, you don't get vaccinated or you never take your mask off, you know, if you don't get vaccinated. But um, firing people is just is not a is not a good thing. And the, and the politics of this are complicated. You know, I was talking to a Yunkin advisor who's explaining how they came out against the federal mandate that Biden announced a couple of weeks ago. And they're worried because McAuliffe was really hitting them on that. And what they discovered is black and Latino voters are really opposed to these mandates and question these mandates. This guy was explaining to me they're campaigning at a shipyard, and the the white guys would come off their shift, and they want to talk about guns and kind of traditional cultural issues. The black and Latino guys would come off their ship and they'd shift, and they'd want to talk about the vaccine mandate. So, so this is one that cuts in, cuts in various ways. Fantastic. And lastly, just want you to weigh in on the uh, what I fear would be a multi-trillion dollar uh, spending bill that we don't need that is pure democratically agenda driven. We understand when they, they're rolling up their sleeves and they're meeting constantly to get it done by the end of the week. Free community colleges out. The president says the total is more like 1.7 to 1.9. Child tax credit's been whittled down. Elder care disabled from 400 billion to 250 billion. Paid benefit leave from four weeks, excuse me, from 12 weeks to four weeks. Medicare expansion stays. Manchin says no to clean electricity program. So the give and take. Are we heading towards a deal? And what would it mean? Well, I, I think I still think they're going to get a deal. And it's probably going to be closer to 1.5 than it is to 2. So that, that's significant savings. But still, there are going to be a lot of social welfare programs started in there that are going to be hard to stop, that are going to have uh, per- perverse effects depending on how they structure, structure them, including discouraging 
uh, work and punishing people as they earn more, which is a very bad thing. And then these programs are, are just hard to reform or to end once they get going. And we don't have the money to spend uh, uh, on top of all of that. So I think that the, near, the number should be zero. But I think they're probably going to get it, and it's going to be closer to, to 1.5. And they might get a worse of, of both worlds here thing, where Republicans can add up all the spending over the last year and say this is a historic, uh, unsustainable blowout, which is true, whereas Democrats look at it and say, wait a minute, you promised us the moon, you promised us FDR and LBJ, and instead you've done what this you know, relatively moderate guy from West Virginia wants. We're very disappointed in that. So, And maybe they don't please their own side at the same time they give Republicans an, an attack point. Uh, while leaving the border uh, wide open and, and a worldwide humiliation after the dismount from Afghanistan. It's hard to believe people cannot be disappointed with Joe, President Biden. My fear is it'll pass. My sense is they'll get something and and said that there'll be a lot of hidden nuggets in there that will explode later on. Like, for example, how hard it was to rescind, rescind Obamacare once people got used to some type of benefit. So they're going to seed a lot of these programs and let Republicans be the bad guys and get rid of it. And a lot of them don't want to do that, especially those ones in 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 swing districts. Correct? Yeah. Once it gets going, I mean, the, you can count probably on on a one hand the the government programs that have been ended once they start. Now, Republicans are very likely to take the House, and you know they they can push back on all this uh, come twenty twenty three. But it again, it's just really hard to reverse them. All right, uh, Rich. I think I worry out. I, I don't. I think I've taken is all your is knowledge. Left, left to cover? I'm there's, not sure. there's nothing. We need to talk about the championship series. We didn't talk about those. Which one? <laughs> I, I just don't want. I'm a huge Yankee fan, so I, I've had the terrible feeling the last couple of days that the Red Sox are going to beat the Braves in the World Series. But I took I took some comfort in the Astros uh, shellacking them last night. Right, Astros great. The ones who cheat and win a World Championship. <laughs> <laughs> Still, the Red Sox are the prime prime right. enemy. I don't care what anyone else does. Absolutely. All right, Rich. I got it. Yeah, it's good to hate if you can't have your team win. <laughs> Rich Lowry, editor and uh, editor of the Nash Review. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Brian. All right, 1-866-408-7669. Back to wrap things up this hour with you. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I got vaccinated. I can't wait to get the booster. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself. You get vaccinated for your family first. You get vaccinated for your teammates second, things like that. That's what bothers me about this whole thing. I think everybody should get vaccinated. I really am proud of the Nets for putting their foot down, for saying, no, we're not going to deal with this half on, half on, half off. The only thing that bugged me, he's still going to make $17 million sitting at home. I wish they could find a way... If he wants to go on this thing, like, you know, people say he's like Ali. First of all, don't ever compare anybody to Ali. Ali went three years without boxing. He was the highest paid athlete in the world. This guy going to make $17 million for sitting at home. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself. Well, that's what Charles Barkley's saying, and I understand where he's coming from. And he was talking about Kyrie Irving. But there's a problem. Then come those people who get the, who get the virus, even though they've been vaccinated, the so-called breakthroughs. Are they getting it at a higher rate, the same rate, lesser rate than people who aren't vaccinated? No one showed me that data either. 
And then it comes back to if you want to put yourself at risk because you feel as though the vaccine's not something you want in your body, and you've seen some of the adverse reactions that people have had, especially some elite athletes in their early 20s that I have seen. Kenny Smith on TNT, cut 10. I would say I have empathy for what Kyrie is in. Like, I can understand that he has an uncomfortability about vaccinations. I'm not going to sit here and think that I'm because I'm vaccinated and want to believe in vaccinations that I'm smarter because I probably most people got vaccinated probably don't know the four ingredients inside of it that inside of vaccination. But the same way the people unvaccinated probably couldn't tell you the four ingredients in an aspirin. It really comes down to comfortability. Do I have sympathy? No. Uh, do I have empathy? Yes. Do I understand that he could be uncomfortable with getting vaccinated? Sure. Yeah, do, are you uncomfortable, perhaps, with the fact that, okay, you'd be able to get this vaccinate, and if you can't get vaccinated, you can't go to the gym, you can't go to the game, you can't go to the restaurant, all right? You can't go to work. you got to lose your job. Now, oh, well, I don't care. i got the pandemic. Well, what about the next pandemic and the next one and the, uh, the Legionnaire's disease? You better get vaccinated. You can't do anything. You better. Well, you said yes the first time. What do you mean the fourth and fifth time you have a problem with? That can absolutely be a trend. It's starting. Got to get a booster. You got to get a booster. Oh, the durability of the vaccine. You got to get two more next year or else you're a bad person. Really? From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. 1 866 408 7669. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Michael Goodwin is queuing up. He'll be with us shortly. Brad Meltzer, one of this nation's finest writers and historians, will be with us, too. Uh, Brad Meltzer at the bottom of the hour. Also, we know the President of the United States is going to be, uh, again, with his sleeves rolled up, trying to hammer down that spending bill, party-only reconciliation package. Uh, they have Bernie Sanders and Joe Manchin, two more opposite Democrats you could not imagine or script. They are trying to work something out. I'll give you some of the details. I think they're making some progress, and I find that relatively scary. And get this. Three and four Republicans want Donald Trump to run for president in 2024. That's according to Newsweek's poll. Three and four. Would that be good news or bad news for Democrats? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The top Democratic priority that appears to be out is a provision that would have made community college tuition free for everybody. Another proposal that is most likely going to take a hit is guaranteed paid family leave, which could get reduced from a proposed 12 weeks to, let's say, as low as four weeks. The Hail Mary huddle as Biden spending Palooza getting closer to a Democratic deal. The details coming your way. Number two. A vocal group of first responders are strongly pushing back against vaccine mandates. We've seen protests in Los Angeles where today is a tentative deadline for city workers. While across the country, some law enforcement officers and firefighters are choosing to resign rather than get the vaccine. And now it's going to get worse as New York has said all city workers, New York City has said all city workers got to get vaccinated. Mandate mania and COVID-19. More and more are losing their jobs and their lives uh, than lives over this virus, creating hate, anger and angst. In law enforcement, military, private companies, all across the board. Unacceptable. Number one. You believe we have a crisis at the southern border, yes or no? 
Does it really matter whether we call it a, a major challenge, a crisis, a, a, a big problem? Are you saying there is not a crisis at the border? Senator, I no, I don't think there is. Uh, what a joke. There's no one less fit than Chris Magnus to be the Border Patrol chief, and it looks like he's going to get the job, making it worse. The new Border Patrol chief, if confirmed, uh, will not only not fix the border, he does not believe it's broken. Won't even admit it's a crisis. The problem for him and Joe Biden, almost everyone else in America does, and it's affecting every state as illegals are flown in almost every state with the gov- without the governor's permission or knowing. Uh, that's a big story in the New York Post, and it was uh, broken by the New York Post, but it was uh, rumored for the longest time. On odd times, in the middle of the, middle of the night, early morning, you have these, uh, these jets flying in and out of cities like Westchester County, smaller airports. I have heard reports I couldn't get a confirmed MacArthur Airport on Long Island, but it's been rumored, it's actually confirmed now, 2,600 illegals have been placed here since Joe Biden took over. If you're so proud of this policy, why are you hiding it? Michael Goodwin joins us now. Uh, Michael, welcome back. Good morning, Brian. What's your reaction to the Post story? Well, look, I I think, as you say, it confirms what we've all suspected. I mean, where were these people going? Take take the Haitian encampment. How did it disappear in just a few days? Where did they all go? I think that clearly a lot of people have been moving into the country, and they've been dispersed because the border towns are overrun. There's no place to house them. Even the charities can't keep up. And so they are dispersing them around the country so that there's no one large group that you can photograph and say, ah, here they are. It's 50, 60, 100, 150 here and there. It's a big country. You fly them in the middle of the night. People don't know. But look, the police know because a lot of, you know, in, in Westchester, the Post found police waiting to escort the buses that picked these people up once they landed. I mean, this is, this is first-class service. This is middle-of-the-night stuff, but these people are being snuck into the country, and they will never leave. This, so this is they are effectively rewarding illegal immigration. And what does it do for and more they illegal are immigration? It from the American people. And we know what that is. That's a go sign to everybody else to come. Of you course. come in, you get in. Of course. I mean, the whole idea of, of Haitians, right? Haiti is not close to Mexico, but they are, they are even the, I think the New York Times reported recently that middle class people from throughout Latin America and even other parts of the world are flying to Mexico, get on a bus and go to the border. I mean, this is a way to get into the United States. You don't need to be vaccinated. You don't need to be vetted. All you got to do is show up at the border and Joe Biden will let you in. I mean, that has been the message he sent from before he took off. They have denied sending that message, but the message is being heard by the world, and they are all coming to our doorstep. Listen to this. Chris Magnus, we knew he was terrible as police chief in Tucson, and he is the least qualified to be the next Border Patrol chief. But the Republicans are powerless to stop it unless one Democrat decides to vote for his country instead of his party. Listen to this clown. Cut one. Can you believe we have a crisis at the southern border? Yes or no? Does it really matter whether we call it a, a major challenge, a crisis, a, a big problem? No one uh, believes there is greater urgency to this matter than I do. Are you saying there, there's I, not a crisis at the border? 
Senator, I no, I don't think there is I, there a crisis or is there not a crisis at the border? Senator, I would say that my highest priority is going. Is there a crisis at the border? Senator, what I'm certainly trying to convey is how serious I take what's happening at the border. Do you believe this? Well, if he if he said it's a crisis, uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't get the votes because the Democrats would say, well, it's not a crisis. It's a problem. It's a challenge we're trying to manage. But you can't. It does matter what you call it, because it, it determines how you respond to it. So if it's a crisis, you, you bring all of your, your power to bear. You act quickly. Uh, you don't dilly-dally. But if you say it's a challenge, oh, we have a lot of challenges. We have a lot of things to worry about. So, yes, I think it does matter what you call it. Uh, he's probably going to get passed unless there's one Democrat who just says, I can't do it uh, in a moderate district or anywhere near Texas. Uh, you know, a, a senator from any of the border states, New Mexico specifically, uh, you would think somebody was going to go, listen, I just can't do this. I mean, this guy doesn't even admit there's a crisis. and I've got to crack down. It's 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 impossible. Do you realize the stats just came in about 90 minutes ago that one point seven million, the second highest total ever in the year is not even over? 1.7 million illegals have entered. They claim 60% have been turned around. I don't believe that number at all. But having said that, don't tell me you care about vaccinations and let 1.7 million from other nations come in here. You have no idea who they are. And then you spread them around the country. Yes. Uh, so, so all these mac, you know, uh, vaccination mandates that you mentioned earlier, these are happening in cities that, meanwhile, are importing these unvaccinated, unvetted uh, illegal immigrants. Uh, it, it, is, it is better to be a non-American in this case than it is to be an American. You are held to a higher standard if you're an American. You must be vaccinated. You must, you know, to do do anything. But if you're an illegal immigrant, the door opens. I mean, it's nonsensical. It's idiotic. And yet, as you say, 50 Democrats are effectively going to embrace that standard by voting for this this, uh, federal law enforcement official on the border. I mean, look, I I think, Brian, I I wrote today about Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin about how the the Democrats and their media handmaidens are putting pressure on them to agree to everything in the crazy Bernie Sanders uh, budget deal of $3.5 trillion. Uh, But I think what interests me more is what about the other 48 Democrats and those who caucus with the Democrats, Angus King and and Sanders himself? I mean, have they all gone crazy? Have they all taken leave of their senses that that this is now how they conduct business, that it's okay to hound Kristen Sinema in a a ladies' room, uh, that you can make fun of her clothes uh, because because she doesn't vote the way you want? I mean, is and, and you can go attack Joe Manchin as a traitor to his state because he won't vote for Bernie Sanders' bill? Is this now the, the, the way the Democratic Party, these other 48 senators, they're all okay with this apparently, and Joe Biden is all okay with this? I mean, what happened to this party? When did it go completely nuts? 
Now, you know, when Joe Manchin comes out and goes, you know me, I'm not a, I'm not a liberal. I'm not for this spending. I'm an, from an energy state. So he's pushing back, whittling this thing down, but it's still going to be $1.5 trillion, almost double than what bailed us out of the collapse of the economy in 2008, which is crazy. We'll see if the moderate Dems on in the House, so-called moderate Dems, the problem solvers, caucus, see if they're going to make a stand on this. Remember, uh, Josh Gottheimer and company said, I just want to vote on the 1.2 and worry about the other one later. Is he going to change his mind? Yes, he will. I mean, they, they, look, they always fold. I mean, that's the history. Uh, they always fold. The people who don't fold are the far left. They're the ones who are calling the shots. Somewhere along the line, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi surrendered uh, to the far left. And the far left, I mean, just think of it. Who in the, their right mind would make Bernie Sanders chairman of the budget committee in the Senate, right? How did that happen? What did he do that Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden said, yeah, Bernie Sanders, you're our budget guy? I mean, he could not do more damage anywhere else except as budget chairman. I mean, it's unbelievable they gave him that role. It's a socialist in the socialist mindset with the, with the wallet. Incredible. Yeah. I want and you he's to hear, calling the tunes, and the rest of them are all folding right along. And the so-called moderates, Michael Bennett, you write Tim Kaine, Dick Durbin, Chris Coons. Where are they? Do you have anything uh, steel in your spine at all? Listen to Dick Durbin back in, I guess, 10 years ago. Talk about the border. We are building 300 or 700 miles worth of fencing or barriers. Well, I have to say that that leaves a lot of area uncovered. And it's, I guess, not a leap of imagination to believe that people will find a way to go around this wall, around this fence. He was lobbying for a bigger fence, a longer fence yes. in 2006. What's with yes. this? What I changed? Mean, Hillary Clinton voted for, for fences. I mean, it, it is unbelievable how this party has changed, Brian. And it is happening before our eyes. It continues every day. Every piece of legislation gets crazier and crazier. And we, it, it just it keeps happening and rolling forward. I mean, flying illegal immigrants around the country in the middle of the night without even telling the Democratic congressmen and senators where they're going. I mean, this is, this is lawlessness now. It's craziness, and yet it is unfolding before our eyes. I mean, this is something we have never seen in this country before. I know. And now, uh, real quick, on this New York City mandate, since you write for the New York Post as well as uh, FoxNews.com and you're a Fox News contributor, now in New York City, they're going to mandate cops and firefighters get vaccinated. Last number, I thought 58 percent of firefighters are vaccinated, uh, a 60-something percent of cops. You realize that's going to leave thousands jobless because they're the most uh, headstrong people I've met. There's reasons why they're not getting vaccinated. Many of them have the natural immunity because they've been forced to work for the last year and a half without a break. How is this going to end up? You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. And again, this is a follow the silent science party, supposedly. Uh, at some point, herd immunity was the goal. Now it seems to be 100 percent vaccination is the goal, uh, where everybody must be vaccinated uh, no matter what you do. Uh, 
it, 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 it's craziness. It doesn't sound like science. It sounds like some, some authoritarian diktat that got carried away with itself and has lost the plot about the point of vaccinations. It was herd immunity, which includes those who had the disease and have natural antibodies. But that is no longer uh, in the discussion. It's just now vaccination or death. I mean, that seems to be the approach now, and I think it's going to backfire. I think it is further dividing this country. No and, and what do you do in the future about new vaccines Absolutely. for new things? Is this the new model? And where does it come from? It's not science. So, uh, Michael, uh, my uh, daughter's college has uh, gastro, some of this gastrovirus going through where it does spread on services. On Long Island, there's a Legionnaire's disease uh, spreading about 10 miles from my house. Okay, now how are we going to stop that? We are going to, okay, ban people, quarantine people, or there might even be a vaccine for that. I have to get lined up or I can't go to class. I have to get lined up or I can't go to Applebee's. This is, people don't know what they're saying yes to. I, I got vaccinated, but I do not want the rest of my life, Joe Biden or any president telling me what to do for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm with you. I'm vaccinated. I believe it's important to be vaccinated. I will get a booster shot as soon as I can uh, because I don't want to get COVID. But the, by the same token, we also have we are a system of individual liberty. And yes, there's a constant tension between, uh, you know, central social policies and individual liberties. But all of that seems to have been swept aside in this mandate madness. It, it is something that is chilling to watch it unfold. We're living it. Uh, Michael Goodwin, you write about it. You always have a great perspective on it. Uh, writes for the NYPost.com, and you could follow him at uh, Michael underscore Goodwin, uh, excuse me, M. Goodwin underscore New York Post. Uh, thanks, Michael. My pleasure, Brian. Thank All right. you. Uh, listen, we come back. It's your turn. I gave you a lot. one 408 If you're at work and can't call like you used to, just go to Brian, uh, go to, uh, BrianKillMe.com and click on comments. It's Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. By the way, uh, coming up in a few minutes, Brad Meltzer, one of the finest historians in the country. I'll be with us, too. I want to get his perspective on Thomas Jefferson coming out of City Hall. Unbelievable, right? Been there for over 100 years. Thomas Jefferson. Uh, Joe, listen on WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Joe. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Listen, it's unbelievable how the Democrats today have just given up. It's like they have no more cojones, including Joe Biden. How do you allow all this to happen? How? I They they did it. Uh, they did it because they had the loudest voice. Most people talk about... Uh, most people talk about Jay Apollo. Most people talk about AOC. Most people are talking about their extreme views. Next thing you know, the squad is not only more vocal, they said there's about 100 of them in the House. So the moderates, by their definition, don't get a lot of attention. They're looking to get stuff done. And and the well, next thing you know, and, and Joe Biden doesn't have the guts to stand up to him. 
What the moderates should do is start switching parties and see how fast they get attention. One or two of them to switch, and they'll get all the attention they want. Joe, they're, they're beating up on cinema. I mean, they are, they're, no one's protecting her. Not even the fellow military man, astronaut uh, in Arizona, Senator Kelly. How does he feel about these, these people harassing her on airplanes, in airports, running marathons, in bathrooms, because she wants to be a moderate to reflect her state? Where, where, is, there a, is there a real man amongst the Democrats to stand up for her? I don't think she gets intimidated. I don't know much about her, but I don't think she gets intimidated. So far, she hasn't budged at all. Uh, Listen, thanks so much for calling. Uh, We'll be back with you in just a moment. In 10 minutes, your calls. Next, Brad Meltzer. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome welcome back, everybody. Uh, I usually, uh, I hesitate on that because I couldn't believe they meant me, uh, that I'm, I'm responsible for providing you to listen and learn. Brad Meltzer, I'm going to pass that mantle on to you. You're the one who's always teaching. You got the Fox Nation series, Brad Meltzer's Greatest Conspiracies of All Time. You got your best, your best, multiple best-selling author and author of a brand new book, I Am Oprah Winfrey, part of the Brad Meltzer Ordinary People Change the World series. Brad Meltzer, welcome back. Uh, thank you, my brother, and I appreciate you having me back. And and uh, and I know, I, you know, I knew when we were doing Oprah Winfrey, I'm like, I can't wait to talk to Brian. He's going to give me grief about it. But uh, you know, again, you know that there's no politics in this book. We uh, when we do these books, it's always about the moral lesson we can get for our kids. And I, I just owe you a, first a thank you for always supporting this series from the start. It means more than you know. No, I mean, Oprah's a great story. I, I don't really look at her as a political figure, even though she's uh, really focused on that over the years since she stopped her daily show. Uh, she's an impactful player. Yeah, no one's been more successful. No, there's more. There's never been. I don't think anybody that I know more corporate corporations have pursued than Oprah Winfrey. I think a latest deal was with Apple. What do you discover in looking at her childhood that can inspire others? Yeah, and the thing is, I don't focus on her fame. The book's not about it. You know, these these books, as you know, are designed to give our kids better heroes of teach them kindness and compassion and, and character. That thing that seems lost in America today is character. And what I found about Oprah Winfrey is I always look what my own kids need. And my kids are anxious right now. They're, they're, we're in an age of anxiety. I wanted to give my kids uh, a book about self-love and acceptance. And Oprah, when she's a little kid, I never knew the story. She's so poor. She's from nothing. No shoes. She wears literally um, you know, a sack as a dress. And she hates her looks so much that she used to sleep at night. She thought her nose was so big. She used to sleep with a, a, a clothespin on her nose to make her nose smaller. And as she gets older and starts being a broadcaster, they tell her she, you know, her body's the wrong type, her skin's too dark. They tell her she cares too much about people. And in one of her first stories, I, I never knew this story, she covers a family whose house burns down. And she goes back the next day to bring the family blankets. And, and the head of her news division says to her, what are you doing? You can't be part of the story. And she says, part of the story? What about being a good person? And I want my kids to know, I want my daughter to know that, and my sons to know that Oprah, her whole life is taught that she's, her body's the wrong size, that she cares too much. There's no such thing. And you know this, Brian, that 
that the greatest thing you can do and be is yourself. It's the greatest gift you'll give yourself. And as a book, for a kid's book, that's what I Am Oprah Winfrey is about. Uh, Brad Meltzer, our guest. So that's available now. And it's for hey, what ages What ages are perfect for this book? Yeah, I mean, people buy them as baby gifts, and I love that. But they're really for ages like 4 to 12 years old. And I love the people, you know, we've done I Am Amelia Earhart, and I Am Abraham Lincoln, and I Am George Washington, and I Am Walt Disney. And people now use them, and they build libraries of real heroes for their kids, their grandkids, their nieces, their nephews. And so Oprah's the 25th book in the series. I can't even believe we got to 25. Wow, that's amazing. So, Brad, there's a big story when you talk about history uh, this week, uh, and it's happening in uh, New York. Where else? We find out about Thomas Jefferson. First, there was some rumors they're going to be taking it out. Then the city council said, uh, we're getting so much backlash. Let's reconsider it. Uh, taking Thomas Jefferson, who has been in this hall for over 100 years where the city council sits, and they decide, because he had slaves, the the uh, writer of the Declaration of Independence, the first vice president, first secretary of state, uh, or the former vice president, secretary of state, the third president of the United States, uh, that the city council, they're pulling it out. I have no idea what's going to happen to it. What's your reaction? Yeah, listen, um, you know, I've t- I, we've done 25 of these books. Every single hero I've written about, okay, I get hate mail that says, how could you pick that hero? I got it on Abraham Lincoln. It's Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. I got it on Ben Franklin saying, you own slaves. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, Ben Franklin spent the last years of his life fighting against slavery. And, and, and I, my reaction is simply this, whether it's Thomas Jefferson, like, is if you are looking for perfect people in life, perfect, flawless, there's nobody to write about. There's nobody left. The only perfection in life is God. And everything else, we all have flaws and we all have things. Now, I will say... I saw that, you know, there's a push-pull going on in the country right now, right? You have this Thomas Jefferson thing in New York. I'm sure you saw in Texas yesterday, there's people who are saying, if you teach Anne Frank and the, the Holocaust, you've got to teach the other side and the Nazi view of the Holocaust. And I'm like, no, there's no other side of the Holocaust we need to be teaching. There's one good side and one bad. And I, I think what we're seeing in culture, what we're seeing in New York, what we're seeing there is this kind of battle for, like, who's more right in the world? And I, I personally have no stomach for it. I think it gets us nowhere. It's a race to the bottom. And it I is busy. It's, to do, it's yeah. We're, we're losing common sense. Oh, uh, absolutely. So uh, I want you to hear the city council talk about their decision. That we acknowledge that the piece needs to be removed from the city council chamber. Uh, we, as a commission, will act before the end of 2021 in finding an appropriate location where it remains in the public realm. I, I just don't understand. Uh, the, there seems to be a fundamental un-Americanism, uh, unpatriotic movement in this country. And it is, I, I remember when they, had, they were trying to move Robert E. Lee's statue and, and pre- President Trump said, I really don't know what you're talking about. If you want to talk about slave owners, what about George Washington? He was a prominent slave owner. Are they going to become from George Washington? Everyone said, come on. That's typical Trumpism. He's uh, trying to deflect. No one's coming for George Washington. They're coming for Washington. They're taking Lincoln off grammar schools. And I think there's got to be a Stranata intellectual pushback. There's got to be a strong pushback for our past. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's so interesting. You and I, last time we spoke, just uh, like two weeks ago, we were talking when they banned our books on Rosa Parks and Dr. King. Which they reversed, and, right? Which they reversed. They did, thanks to you, actually. I, I, I texted you afterwards. I yep. mean, 
you know, they, they took our books on I am Rosa Parks and I am Martin Luther King Jr. And a, a school district in York County, Pennsylvania, banned them, uh, along with books by Malala and Sesame Street, you know, all these books on race. And the thing that was so disgusting and, and the mistake that they made was they picked Rosa Parks and Dr. King. It had nothing to do with me. It was they picked the heroes I wrote about there. And America together was like, no, that's too far. I mean, I spoke to you, on, of course, on Fox. I got a call from CNN. When you guys on Fox and CNN agree, you know that whoever we're talking about, they screwed up, right? We, as Americans, we were all like, that is a step too far. And my hope is, is, you know, if we keep sitting there and say, and one side says, you know, you can't have this, and the other, you know, we need to have more, you know, of this, of our side. The other side says, you can't have that. I want our, as I said, we're getting nowhere. And what we need more is a little bit of listening, a little bit of calm, a little bit of understanding and saying, listen, stop looking for, for perfection and then using that to, to push forward whatever agenda and whatever side. And I hate to say it, but that is what both sides are doing right now. You're seeing, you know, people are yelling, you know, critical race theory, critical race theory. And, and listen, when you say to someone, you know, do you want them indoctrinating your kids? That's a scary word, but that is completely obs- crazy to me. Like no one wants to indoctrinate any kids. If you've met a kindergarten teacher, all they want is to teach your kids how to share. But we're spending so much time screaming at each other that we're not listening to each other. And that, that's where we get into these arguments and don't say, like, how can we do better and teach this part of history and use it to teach that, listen, it, it, we have a complicated history in America. And if we want to make it all perfect, that's not history. That's propaganda. I, I think, too, like you're doing, you're doing a children's book. And by the way, I'm talking about Brad Meltzer, his newest book, 25th book for Gear for Kids. I Am Oprah Winfrey is now out. So go download it. Uh, go order it. Uh, and then we'll send you a picture of the barge it's stuck on. But it'll eventually get there uh, with our supply chain issues. But, Brad, let's look at uh, critical race theory, for example. I think when you're kids, you can keep it simple. You don't have to, you know, don't, there's slavery and it happened. But as you get older, you definitely dive into it. But uh, we're about the same age. Nobody ever soft-pedaled slavery uh, in my youth. No one ever said slavery was good. No one ever said, well, it made sense. They said it was something in the times. Look at the people that stood up, fought back, and made sure it went away. Look at the Civil War that happened, and that was at the foundation of the reason. And look at all uh, the abolitionists, where it came from. There was only one abolitionist movement that came in our country. Why did we need it? Because there were slaves, which was wrong. Everyone gets it. And if you want to modify it, okay. But if you want to say America's based on it, that's where the rubber hits the road. That 1619 project had to have alarmed historians around the country that are used to staying out of the political fray because that started becoming a curriculum in American schools, which created this mobilized parental push. And listen, I think, I think it did mobilize historians who are like, no, no, you can't rewrite what the starting of America is. And it's why it got tanked so fast. I think the problem is, is we keep pointing back to that as if that's what's happening today. And it's just not right. Like, I mean, the reason you and I were talking about that ban and, you know, you said it to me and we said it on the air is it's when people take critical race theory and they push it too far and they say, you know what, now everything with race is critical race theory. And that can't be true either. And what we have to find is again, when we do that, we lose common sense. And what we got to do is make sure, you know, and again, it's, it's your new book, which I read and really, you know, it's so good about Abraham Lincoln and obviously his, his friendship with Frederick Douglass, right? In, in the wrong hands, in the wrong way, someone would say, well, we don't, are you trying to inform people about Frederick Douglass or something like that or rewrite it? No, what you're trying to do is show that 
man, Abraham Lincoln and, and Frederick Douglass is a complex, amazing friendship, as complex and amazing as America is. And, and I think, you know, the reason we can do that is because that's a, a story worth telling. And I think that there are many stories that are worth telling that are getting caught up in this critical race theory net that we have to calm down and say, listen, we just want to, you know, if you say to people, you want people indoctrinating your children, no one does. If you say, hey, should we talk about race in a way, in a, in a sensitive way, so that people understand each other a little bit more and we can maybe get along better? Everyone says yes. It's the same question. It's just a, a question of how scary do you put it. And I think we've got to stop fear-mongering and, and listening. And I think it's, it's where we're going wrong as a culture right now is we're not listening to each other and saying, what do you really want? Because I agree, if we start screaming, your version of history is trying to do this and, and you're ruining our culture, we're, we're not talking. There's no dialogue anymore. We're getting nowhere. Yeah, I think the one thing I think we can all agree on, blame America first. It's a bad country based on slavery is not really. Uh, we, our per- big problem was we had too much of a swagger when we traveled around the world. Americans think they, they're the best at everything. Now we, we just want to tell everybody how bad we are. I don't know how this happened. Charles Lane had a great column in the Washington Post today. He said, if you want to honor Colin Powell, put the Jefferson statue back because Colin Powell looked up to Jefferson and he had some quotes. He said uh, the decision, um, because the city council makes a decision, uh, Thomas Jefferson was a slaveholder who owned over 600 human beings. We're not going to have him. But Colin Powell said, I know he knew about slavery, but he worshipped who he became and who he was aside from that, because without him and his great intellect, we wouldn't be the country we are today. His parents wouldn't have, been, uh, wouldn't have come here. Here's what, what Charles Lane writes. Powell almost certainly would have questioned this, taken down the statue, which we just discussed. He often described himself as an admirer of Jefferson and spoke of the inspiration he had drawn from Jefferson's preamble of the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal. And ever since he first memorized the words at the instruction of public school teachers in Harlem, New York, in his boyhood, Powell, son of Jamaican immigrants, of course, the first black secretary of state chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, was well aware and not an apologist of Jefferson's enslaving and racism. Rather, he insisted that the Declaration inspired to millions for centuries that not enslaving defined Jefferson's principal legacy. And they go on. So nobody, nobody indoctrinated Colin Powell. He was extremely bright and unbelievably successful. CCNY, not West Point. Goes to Vietnam, fights, and rises up the ranks in Washington. Probably could have been president relatively easily. He saw the problem with America's past and also saw its greatness. What happened? Yeah, and listen, I'll tell you my favorite uh, Thomas Jefferson story is when President Bush, George H.W. Bush, was dying. And I couldn't tell the story back then, but I can tell it now. Um, They were bringing in his favorite authors to read to him while he was sick. And I was one of those authors. And they brought me in. The Secret Service said, listen, he's going to be awake for only about five minutes, and he's going to fall asleep. He just sleeps a lot these days. I said, no problem. I'm honored to be here. And we go in. Secret Service leaves. It's my wife and myself, President Bush, and his service dog, Sully. And we know this is the end, Brian. We know it's the end. And I take my copy of The First Conspiracy about the secret plot to kill George Washington, the book I wrote. And I say, sir, you want to read this book? It's on his desk already. And I bring my copy. I say, you want to read it? He says, mm-hmm, because he can't speak at this point. It's either mm-hmm or uh-uh. And I start reading. He falls asleep in five minutes. And I get to those. I get to the scene that I read to him is when George Washington is having the Declaration of Independence read to his troops for the first time, Thomas Jefferson's words. And I get to those Thomas Jefferson words, those words we all know. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And in that moment, President Bush's eyes pop open 
and he's locked on me. He's like, like it is an infusion that Jefferson's words are an infusion to him. And he stays awake with me. And at the end of the chapter, he's still awake. I say, sir, you want to read another chapter? Mm-hmm. And another? Mm-hmm. And another? And instead of being there for five, 10 minutes, I'm there for an hour. And I leave him after the hour. I say goodbye to him. I know I'm never going to see him again. And I thank him for everything he's done for me in my career over the years and how kind he's been to my wife and family. And we went to his funeral. And what I remember, Brian, at his funeral is the word that kept being used over and over. That's so important for our discussion here today is this word, decency, decency. And yes, he was a decent man. But I think as a culture today, we've gotten that decency and all we're looking for are fistfights. And when you look for a fight, you find it. Yep. Great point. Unbelievable story, Brad. So glad you shared it. Uh, Brad Melter, pick up his newest book, 25th. Uh, so if you want to get your point across to your son or daughter, uh, hand him uh, or her this book, I Am Oprah Winfrey. Great job, Brad. Congratulations, and thanks for endorsing the president and the freedom fighter. Oh, please. You know, uh, it's such a good book. I can't wait for people to be able to read it and see the complexity of Lincoln in America and, and Douglas. It's, it's amazing to do that. Yep, not perfect, but, man, they were both great. Uh, Brad Meltzer, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back with your calls. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. 1-866-408-7669. I mean, I can't imagine a better conversation to put perspective what we're going through right now with a brighter guy who's not a who's a, as great a storyteller as there is in Brad Meltzer. The sincerity, the knowledge is unbelievable. His access to power is incredible. And what he's doing with this book series, I get a lot of this. So I'm about to do a book tour for the president and freedom fighter. And I get so many parents on the line and they ask me, would my kid enjoy this? I have young adult books uh, with Thomas Jefferson for George Washington's Secret Six. We named it George Washington Spies and for Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. Um, but I, but Brad Meltzer's got the best series by far I've ever seen for kids. And they get through it, they understand it, and it's comprehensive. Nothing's inaccurate, but they leave out the detail that gets kids gummed up at that young age, especially with the ADD uh, society that we're building. Uh, real quick, I just want to bring uh, – uh, uh, let me try to squeeze in a call. Chris is in Florida. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brian. Uh, we're getting a lot of uh, guff with all these mandates, and they don't want to vaccinate anybody coming over the border. But here's my question, and I know the answer. But, you know, why if, uh, if they can enforce these mandates, why don't they re- uh, enforce it on people who are getting federal uh, housing subsidies and uh, food stamps? And stuff oh, like great that? point. Great point. Hey, you want Social Security check? Go get a vaccine. You want subsidy? Go get your vaccine. You want food stamps? Go get your vaccine. Yeah, why not do that? Uh, instead, just you're fired if you don't get it. Appreciate it. You're in a free state. I'm not. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. 
Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. It's going to be a big day. Uh, I guess there's a lot going on today. Uh, For example, if you want to know something a little bit different, you just know that uh, the President of the United States will make remarks on his Build Back Better plan in Scranton, Pennsylvania, where he's probably going to tell about corn pop. Is it possible to go back to Scranton, Pennsylvania and not talk about corn pop? Because he's got the most bizarre stories. No wonder he doesn't talk to the press. Almost every single time he gets himself in trouble. And one thing he's making clear is his whole plan is not going to be the plan that he promised of the $3.5 trillion. Right. Uh, So he's going back to the place that he was born in but moved out of because his dad lost his job. Says the same story every day for 50 years. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The top Democratic priority that appears to be out is a provision that would have made community college tuition free for everybody. Another proposal that is most likely going to take a hit is guaranteed paid family leave, which could get reduced from a proposed 12 weeks to, let's say, as low as four weeks. Yep, uh, there you go. There's some wrangling going on. Hail Mary huddle. The Biden people are getting together with the Dems uh, only, and they're trying to work things out between Bernie Sanders, the socialist, and Manchin, the so-called moderate. I believe by the end of the week they'll have something. I'll bring you the details. Number two. A vocal group of first responders are strongly pushing back against vaccine mandates. We've seen protests in Los Angeles where today is a tentative deadline for city workers. While across the country, some law enforcement officers and firefighters are choosing to resign rather than get the vaccine. Mandate mania and COVID-19. More now, more are now losing their jobs than their lives over the virus, creating hate, anger, and angst in law enforcement, military forces, private companies across the board. It's unacceptable and unnecessary. Number one. You believe we have a crisis at the southern border, yes or no? Does it really matter whether we call it a, a major challenge, a crisis, a, a, a big problem? Are you saying there, there's I, not a crisis at the border? Senator, I no, I don't think there. You'll never hear a more astounding give and take, making it worse. The new Border Patrol chief, if confirmed, not only can't fix the border, uh, he does not want to and doesn't see it as broken. The problem for him and Joe Biden, almost everyone in America knows it is broken. It is wide open and the illegals are flooding in and maybe to a city near you. So uh, we're going to talk to Martha McCallum shortly, but let's just go over this now. Uh, This numbers came out this morning. It's unfortunate for Democrats because they have this guy, Chris Magnus. He's up as CBP uh, nominee to replace Rodney Scott, who is so upset about the ridiculous, ineffective policy of the Biden administration, which basically lets the whole world in. He left. Chris Magnus does not see a problem as four sanctuary cities. But listen to this give and take. And listen to what he doesn't say. First, what he doesn't say to John Cornyn. Cut to. Would you agree with me that a policy of non-enforcement is a pull factor, which is encouraging more illegal immigration? I think that there are many factors that contribute to this. Is that one of them? It is certainly one part of it. Uh, Many factors that contribute to it. No enforcement at the border. It is the primary factor. So... 
Is there a problem with no remain in Mexico? 1.7 million, the second highest total in the history of this country, the largest since the largest influx since 1986. Do you see that as a problem? Senator Todd Young engages. Cut one. You believe we have a crisis at the southern border? Yes or no? Does it really matter whether we call it a, a major challenge, a crisis, a, a, a big problem? No one uh, believes there is greater urgency to this matter than I do. Are you saying there, there's I, not a crisis at the border? Senator, I, no, I don't think there is. Is there a crisis or is there not a crisis at the border? Senator, I would say that my highest priority is going to. Is there a crisis at the border? Senator, what I'm certainly trying to convey is how serious I take what's happening at the border. It's all because they lost Georgia. I mean, Republicans really had a good election. Uh, The Trump got 75 million votes more than anybody else. Uh, The House was supposed to be just a wash. Instead, they almost took it. They're four seats away. And then in the Senate, they were going to hold on. Uh, Purdue had 49% of the vote, or else it wouldn't be a problem. No Republican would ever vote for this guy. A Democrat with a conscience would never vote for this guy. But he wouldn't even admit there's an issue. And now, over the weekend, over the last two days, we had the New York Post post a story uh, showing that the illegals are being flown around to various cities and small airports at odd times to stay away from the limelight as kids are poured into economically distressed areas inside America without telling a governor or a mayor. It's unbelievable. Without the financing for these schools, think about English as a second language classes. They now have almost doubled in size on Long Island. They say 2,400 illegals have been dumped into our school system. They might be the best kids in the world. World, but that's not how you do things. You can't do it that way. It's as if you're saying there are no rules. So when Jen Psaki was asked about this, her smugness was so alarming. Uh, the New York Post did a follow-up. But uh, but in terms of uh, what she said is basically, what are you so afraid of when it comes to illegals? Nobody's afraid of everything, anything. It's just a matter of being right or wrong. And when it comes to illegal aliens, you should tell us who's coming in and out. The New York Post covers, it's not funny. The Post says, this is what Dems now are doing. There's no way to describe how little the Biden administration and Democrats in general think of the American people. It's our legal responsibility to safely care for unaccompanied children, they said. They can swiftly unify with their parents or vetted sponsor as part of the unification process. Number one, the vetted sponsor are doing it to get money. The families, they're hardly doing a forensic uh, discovery situation to find out if they belong to these people. And how soon do they send for their parents? And how many more are going to be paying for human traffickers to the cartels to bring them to this perilous ground where so many of them are abused, the numbers are in quadruple figures. When you allow this to happen, that's what happens. And the New York Post is doing some incredible work. And what Ted Cruz has done is kind of interesting. He says, I have an idea. Why don't we put some of these illegal aliens and these kids, if they're so desirable, why don't they go into Beverly Hills or New York City? Or better yet, some other places. Cut seven. And so there's a reason why you're seeing flights at 2.30 in the morning, at 4 o'clock in the morning, because they want to hide it, and they're counting on the corrupt corporate media to be complicit in covering it up. And, and it's why I introduced the bill you just referenced. It's called the Stop the Surge Act, and it's very simple. All it does 
is it creates 13 new ports of entry. So right now, those two million illegal aliens, most of them are coming to the state of Texas, my home state. I said, well, look, if it's okay, if you're fine with two million illegal immigrants, let's send them to, to where you like to hang out. Martha's Vineyard, why not? Beverly Hills, open up your doors. You got plenty. Look at the size of those houses. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'll invite uh, Martha McCallum in uh, shortly. I do want to bring up something when it comes to the coronavirus and these vaccine mandates and what it means. It means that in New York City, over the last few hours, they've decided to mandate every city employee, cops and firefighters included. Uh, they have to get the shot. Now, in the medical community, they've lost about 10% of their personnel. Hundreds of people were told you're fired and you can't get unemployment insurance, which I'm not too sure is illegal. You're fired and you can't get unemployment insurance unless you get a vaccine. To me, that sounds like the Soviet Union. With cases down 25 22%, with deaths down 14%, with the South the lowest it's been in over a year, only northern Minnesota has ticked up. Vaccines for 12 and up, 77% of Americans had one shot, 67% have full shots. You can't really get a shot if you're under 12. 84% have fully vaccinated. We're at herd immunity when you, can, when you factor in natural immunity. This should not be an issue. Instead, the mandates are cascading down. In California school districts, we know the parents and children had a walkout. We know that they are extremely upset. We know the Colorado teachers are taping masks on middle school children. There's pictures now online. Um, you see that. Fox 21 had that story. More stories. Boeing International, Raytheon are all mandating that their contractors all uh, have to get the shot. GE and Union Pacific as well. General Electric orders all 56,000 employees to do this. They're going to lose thousands of employees. We'll see. Uh, we know what's happening in Oregon. Uh, 988 employees, 190 approved vaccine exemptions, 89 exemption requests, 11 placed on administrative leave. Four have resigned. They're done with their careers. We'll see if that number changes. In Washington State, 127 Washington State Patrol employees lost their jobs. They showed up and said, I quit. 74 were commissioned officers, 67 troopers, six sergeants, and one captain. You mandate, so you take a depleted unit who are dispirited because they get no support, and then you tell them they got to get vaccinated when they've been working for two years. Many have had the national immunity. Now you care about them? Bad situation. Now they're going to demand boosters. Then they're going to demand brand new shots. Then they're going to say we got Legionnaire's disease. We got to get vaccinated from that. Uh, whooping cough. We got to make sure about that. Uh, we're going to be sitting there finding out what we got to be mandated to keep our job. Is that the America you want to live in? Martha McCallum comes in next. Uh, we'll talk about that. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I want to raise the minimum wage. I want paid sick days. I want family medical leave. Glenn Youngkin is against every one of those. He has a Donald Trump right-wing agenda. He will ban abortions. Your viewers should be very clear on this. He wants to ban abortions here in Virginia. He says election integrity is the number one issue. No, it isn't. Healthcare, COVID, 
education job creation. All right, Nick, we're already, we're already over. Okay. All right, we're over. That's okay. it. That's Thank it. you. Hey, I gave you extra time. Come on, man. <laughs> you should have asked better questions early on. You should have asked questions your viewers care about. Well, we did. So Terry McAuliffe, we know we watched him blister back at a sheriff. They'd asked him questions about the funding of the police stuff that he's talked about in the past. Then we watch him blow off a reporter and yell at him saying, you're putting me in danger, you're not wearing a mask. And now we see that give and take. Evidently, they talked to uh, both candidates for about 20 minutes. He cut it off after 10. He didn't like the series of questions, obviously. He must be really worried. This is an experienced politician supposed to walk through, walk over the Republican and get four more years as Virginia governor. And it's not happening. At the very least, it's within single digits to the point where they got to bring in Barack Obama. Martha McCallum's with me now, host of the story at 3 o'clock. On Election Day, she'll be covering the Virginia race especially. That's the marquee race in an off-year election. Martha, what's your take on this? Well, you know, I think it. I think if you're Terry McAuliffe, you're not loving that tape. It makes you look exasperated, a little bit nervous. I think all of those things are probably true, given how close the polling is. Um I think it's a little bit, you know, I'm pretty sure that he, they pretty much had wrapped up the interview when he sort of lost his temper. It's not like he ripped off his mic and walked yeah. off in the middle of an interview, um, just to be clear. But, you know, I, I, what I find really interesting is the beginning part of that. And that was the talking points that he was really focused on all day yesterday in a few interviews. I'm going to raise the minimum wage. I'm going to make sure you can stay home, you know, if you need to from work and get paid for it. Um, this is this is the argument that's being had in the country, right? This is what's coming from this three and a half trillion dollar proposed bill. The, the idea that there's a large portion or a majority of the country that wants the government to expand, to pay them to stay home, to pay them more money, all of these things is something that we're seeing not bearing out in the polls. In fact, people want the government out of their lives. They want the government to be so smaller. Um, a, a majority. That now you've still got 40-something percent who want to see more government expansion. But I just find it really interesting. And when you look at what's happening to the independent support for the president and these ideas, 28 percent in the Quinnipiac poll support among independents. That's a big number. That, I mean, it's a low number. It's a low number, and, but and it's, it's, big, and it's big been news. it's been uh, it's been going down dramatically over the past few months. It was just 36 percent in the last poll. So so this is something I think, as a politician, Democrats need to pay a lot of attention to. They're hammering all this free stuff uh, idea really, really hard. Abortion is the other issue that Terry McAuliffe has decided is the thing that's going to save him here. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Lower your expectations. The Washington Post said everyone should yeah. you don't expect things to be on the shelves. Don't expect things to have a time. We've had it too good for too Who long. You wants got- to live in a country that that is the message. Lower your expectations. This idea, too, since you touched on it, this supply chain issue, this is not, hello, this is not about treadmills. This, have, has anyone talked to a small business owner lately? They can't get the stuff they need to make the products that they make, whether it's construction or you know food or anything. They can't get the things that they need. So they are getting squeezed in their margins. They can't get their stuff out the door because the supply chain is broken. So this is not about rich people. This is not about your treadmill. Wake up. Wake up. The wheels of the economy are gummed up, and it's going to be a huge problem for everybody. And for the record, you're not telling me to wake up. You're telling the— You're telling. Wake up, Brian. I know you're awake because I see you at ungodly hour in the morning, so I know you're awake, my friend. So to back up what you're saying about this $3.5 trillion package, which is going to be considerably less, 
The CNN poll said, what about this Which bill? is still a ton of money, yeah. by the way. Oh, my goodness. We're still talking about trillions of dollars. Uh, just yeah. look up the zeros, just, you know, just for, uh, for fun. Yeah, and I'm going to break that down in a second. But the Good. CNN poll said about this bill, if it passes, 3.5, what, what will it do? 25% said it'll make me better off. 32% say worse off. 43% say same. So nobody's excited about the 3.5. And the thing is, they've turned their back on Republicans and the country. They're doing it themselves. They're not, they're not out there selling this. I mean, I think Joe Biden's going to say something today that's ridiculous and uh, I'll go over to Scranton, Pennsylvania, and pretend to be a tough guy and pro-union and give a speech that he'll squint his way through. But here's what's happening. It looks like Joe Manchin and Bernie Sanders, after squabbling via – uh, from far away, Bernie Sanders had a great idea. Let's write an editorial in the West Virginia newspaper to uh, put pressure on Joe Manchin. Yeah, an independent socialist is going to put pressure on a bright red state that Donald Trump won by 45 points. And then they decide to talk for the last few days. Evidently, the president says the bill looks like one between 1.7 and 1.9. Free community college is now out. Child tax credit is now one year, not extended. Elder care uh, and disabled money is not $400 billion, it's $250 billion. Paid benefits, they're down to four weeks instead of 12 weeks. Uh, paid benefit leave. Medicare expansion looks like it's going to happen with death and, uh, excuse me, with dental and vision. And the president wants to keep free pre-K. And that's a three hundred and that three hundred billion dollar investment in climate change instead of considerably more. This is roughly what they're wrestling with now to try to get Mansion and Cinema aboard, and then hope the moderates in the House do so too. Well, let me say one thing. Um, thank you, Brian, for laying out what we think is in the package now because nobody else is doing it right. It, it, people hear these numbers tossed around. Oh well, I hope it's not three five. I hope it's closer to one nine. And come on. What are we talking about here it? specifically? What is in it? This is what the president should be explaining to the American people. He should be coming out and saying, look, I know you've been hearing a lot of large numbers, right? I want you to understand what matters to me in this bill. I'm not sure if we're going to get it at this point, but here's where I am. These are the things I care about. These are the things that I asked them to cut back on in order to get something passed. Where is President Biden? What, what is he doing? Know. Why isn't he articulating where he stands? Now, I, I understand that when you lay yourself out there, you have the problem that if it doesn't pass, it looks like it was— You lost. You lost. But you know what? So what? I mean, at this point, it, I think that he would be served better with those independent voters if at least he put his name on it and said, look, here's what I care about. It, these are the things I really want. I'm hoping that I can pull together a coalition that will get this thing passed. I, I think he. Right. I think his. I think people would perceive that in a in a strong way, actually. I do, and but we, I didn't discuss paid for. Evidently, they're not close there. Raising the corporate tax rate, looking at everybody's bank account, to over six hundred dollars, all this snooping thing. Ten thousand now. Now it's up to ten thousand. Doesn't 10, make a difference. It's the same people yeah. who get looked at. And the IRS gets a lot more money. That's what I want. I was just hoping the IRS would be more powerful. They're doing such a great job, and they're always so. Where's Lois Lerner with yeah. Peter? I know. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Making news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. We hope that we don't have to challenge this in court, but if we have to, then that's absolutely what we'll do in order to protect these elite warriors, you know, and right now they're supposed to be fighting for our nation. And right now they're fighting for their careers and for their livelihoods because the Navy is, is essentially forced them to choose between their faith and serving their nation. And nobody should ever have to submit to an ideological litmus test like this. So that is Mike Berry last night 
with Tucker talking about the Navy forcing Navy SEALs to quit because they don't have a vaccine. Some because of their faith, some because of natural immunity, some have make personal decisions. But we invest on the most part, if you want to be really callous, $500,000 in training these elite fighters. We ask them to do things more than any other unit because everything's special ops taking down the terror threat below the, uh, below the wire that we can't see no longer sending in regiments uh, to fight these wars. And now we're going to tell them to go quit. Martha McCallum's here. Martha, we're just talking about these mandates. So uh, hours ago, New York came out with their mandate uh, to the firefighters, to all city workers, that includes firefighters and cops, get vaccinated by a certain date in a few weeks or lose your job, no unemployment benefits. Nationally, we're going to lose tens of thousands of our, of our military men and women because they don't want to get vaccinated. Are we ready for this? Yeah. I, I mean, a couple of things. One thing that I always say on this issue is that all you need to do is provide people alternatives. You need to give them a testing option if they would rather be tested, or you need to recognize immunity from having had COVID. Okay. So if if those two things were in the mix here, I think you'd have a very different discussion going on. Absolutely. If you said you need to have one of these three, right? Um, you'd have a very different discussion. The other thing that really strikes me in this whole argument is we we remember covering the defund the police movements around the nation, right? Yeah. Uh, and the pushback to that idea, which is understandable. But essentially what you've had between the defund the police movement and the mandatory vaccination program, which, as you point out, is is undercutting our strength in the military and in law enforcement all across the country. And dividing the country. So you have defunded the police, right? In the end, what you're getting is a smaller police force, smaller law enforcement, smaller military footprint, because the people who do these jobs are either resigned in the first round because they didn't like being demoralized uh, or in the second round because they didn't like being told that they had to have an injection that they didn't want to have because maybe they had COVID or maybe they would rather be tested. Um, none of those things were given to them in options in most cases. In some cases, they were. So here you go. So now you've got uh, what was the goal of some people, which was to um, to defang, I would say, law enforcement and the military, and it's working. So even if you are pro-vaccination, you're angry at the unvaccinated. The unvaccinated are angry that restaurants are telling them, give me, show me your card, you're out. And then everybody's angry that the cops are walking into restaurants and checking on restaurants by asking patrons, uh, in some cases, do you have a vaccination card? Did they ask you for a vaccination? Do you have ID with that? Really? I'm paying someone at Applebee's $5 an hour who's working on tips now to ask adults twice their age, can you show me your vaccination card? And can I have ID to prove that you – that's not what Tough they got position. into business to do. So you are creating a, a vaccinated, unvaccinated. No, we're not just seeing it in – and by the way, I doubt there's just one hockey player with a phony card. You're going to tell me that every basketball player got vaccinated except Kyrie Irving and a guy in the Magic? So I doubt it. So now you're creating a situation where, okay, get vaccinated. Fine. Get Johnson Johnson one, two shots. All right, fine. I need a booster? Oh, the durability of the vaccine only goes to nine months? Okay, yeah, you need a booster. All right, I'm not going to get a booster. Oh, you're not going to get a booster? Then that would consider you vaccinated. Oh, the durability is 12 months. You need to go to get vaccinated again. Excuse me. I just got vaccinated. No, you get vaccinated again. Yes. Now, those Legionnaires to these right by my house. The Legionnaires disease spreads by surfaces. Evidently, you're wiped out for a week or two. Are we going to have to get a vaccination for Legionnaires disease? In my daughter's school, there was a virus, a gastrovirus. The whole school was getting it. You can get it from surfaces. What if they said you got to get a vaccine for that? Where does this end? We're getting multiple vaccines. The measles is 25 years. This looks like it's one. 
So now we're going to be scrambling for boosters to be able to go to a movie or a concert? And, and are we comfortable with that? Joe Biden's going to tell me what I have to do with myself on my health, not the once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, which he's not even curious about where it came from. Mm-hmm. And I just want to factor, not to complicate it too much, the same administration that doesn't check the status of the 1.7 million <laughs> know, right? illegals well, coming in our border. That is, that, that's so hypocritical, right? I, I left the country um, for a vacation for the first time, right, since all this started. It to come back, you have to get tested. You have to have the document that shows that you're negative. You've got to show it at the airport. You've got Even to show it at vaccinated. customs, right? Yes, I've been vaccinated, <clears throat> um, and I believe in people should be vaccinated. I, more than anything, I think that everyone should go on their doctor's advice based on their own medical profile, what works for you. You know, you need two, or maybe you need a booster or whatever, depending on your, your medical profile. But it was a little bit – I was nervous because, you know, we couldn't get the test to come up, you know, that we had taken on the on the phone – and, you know, you're standing online. And so finally, like, we get it, you know, logged in correctly. You can see the test. Okay, like, my heart's pounding. Are we going to be able to get home? Right? Meanwhile, you can just come across the border. Yep. 1.7 million people. And there's, like, some testing going on, some not testing. On. I just want to know, why is the rule different depending on which border you enter? Why, when I come through the New York airport, is there one rule? And if you come in the southern border, there's a completely different rule. I would love for the White House to explain why that is? Yeah, uh, one's illegal. The new border patrol agent that they have is doesn't see it as a crisis. One point seven million coming through the drugs and everything else that's happening doesn't see it as a crisis. Uh, here is Robert LeMay, Washington State trooper. He's out of a job in Washington State. So is the Washington State football coach and his four assistants that just got recruited from the University of Hawaii. They're trying to build something there out because of the vaccine. Uh, cut twelve. I'd say the same for us. What about all the homeless people they've allowed on the roadways to walk around and just do crazy things and violence? I don't see them wearing masks or getting vaccinated. It's it's ridiculous. It's a control thing. I mean, Jansley is a big uh, opponent of this, as everybody knows. Um, same thing. I mean, we tried religious exemptions. We tried everything legally we could possibly do. He even They even fired our senior chaplain. His only job is to pray and help people, and they fired him. So you see what's happening? So even if the polls say six out of 10 Americans want these mandates, there's other great Americans who don't. Do we really need something else to divide the country? I thought you're going to blame Donald Trump for this. Well, I'll just go back to what I said before. I think all Americans want those four out of 10 is they want options. They want to be able to say, yes, if I want to go to that restaurant, I'm going to show that I have an antibody card because I had COVID or I just, you know, got my vaccine recently or I've been tested recently. You just you have to provide people with options because some people aren't comfortable with option A. They should be able to use option B or option C. And it's the manipulative nature of it and the firing of people for not not sort of getting in line that I think just sits so uncomfortably for so many Americans. Uh, and me included. And I just don't understand uh, I don't understand also that we're not drilling down on the breakthrough cases and how this spreads. No one ever talks about that. Or can vaccinated people get it and spread it? Yes. Fine. If vaccinated people can get it and spread at the same rate that unvaccinated people can get it and spread it, we know that vaccinated people can get it and spread it. So if you're worried about that, it's just that vaccinated people will have very mild symptoms, according to reports. 
then what is the big deal? I, if I'm unvaccinated, I'll pay a steeper price. I mean, Colonel West was just on with us. Colonel West said, I'm not vaccinated. My wife is. We both got sick. We both got hospitalized. We both got out at the same time. So now they both got an antibodies. Um, and one is antibodies. One's got that in addition. So I have huge problems with what's going on with the CDC. Huge problems with the fact that the president gives his presser about boosters when nobody in the FDA, FDA, they have two people, the FDA is so upset, they quit. And then he has no follow-up to it at all, and the science didn't back it up. It took two weeks for the science to back it up. Why did he do that? Because he was in the middle of the Kabul disaster, and he was looking to change the subject. Again, I would just say, you know, I mean, there are people who a booster is recommended for, but this kind of advice should be coming from your doctor, a doctor that you trust. Uh, if you want to get a second opinion, get a second opinion. And that's that should be the guiding force in the country, people's individual doctors who understand their medical profile, not a sort of mass blanket proclamation that is going to fit you. To, one, one size doesn't fit all. Right. Um I want to take a time out, come back. I want to talk about the supply chain. You also another area of expertise, your business. But would you mind? You might not want to, and I didn't clear this ahead of time. Do you <laughs> want to tell us who's on your show at three? Maybe. After the break. Back in a moment. <laughs> Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You did make an eye-opening revelation about an interview you did with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You decided to leave out newsworthy comments that she made on the subject of kneeling during the national anthem. Yeah. How did you justify that? It, it violates a cardinal rule of journalism. To well, I think, I think what people don't realize is we make editorial decisions like that all the time. And I chose to talk about this and put it in the book for a discussion. Um, I mentioned that I, it was a conundrum that I asked Justice Ginsburg about Colin Kaepernick and taking a knee and how she felt about that. And I did include the fact that she said it was dumb and disrespectful, it was stupid and arrogant, and quite a bit of what she said. Uh, so Katie Couric wrote this book I have not read. She says the publicists, her publicists, are taking it way out of context and the media is running with it. Martha McCallum here. Uh, Martha, from what we know of the book, we, okay, I don't know if you're going to read it. Why would anyone do this? I don't care how much, you know, in three months, let's say she's a bestseller for three months, number one. Right. Then what? She alienates people, reviews, reveals things that maybe people didn't need to know. It seems like she's... Exposing for no reason stuff that I don't see why she's putting this out. Do you? Oh, okay. Well, that I, I thought you were going to ask me about that exchange. I'm curious what you thought about that exchange because I thought, whoa. I mean, I doubt she expected to walk onto the set of the Today Show and and you know sort of be. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, dressed down about um about what she didn't didn't include in the Ruth Bader Ginsburg interview. I thought maybe I had tripped into like an episode of The Morning Show for a moment there. Right. Um, you mean the the series yes, on Apple Plus? Yes. I was like. Oh, I bet Katie wasn't expecting that. I, you know what? I'm going to hold my. Um, I, I want to read the book because I think it's a memoir. Will you? I will. I, I, I think it's a memoir about a very long career that um, was very successful, and I think it's probably true. I, I would imagine that the publicist is trying to sell the book and has put out some of the more sort of things that. You Do you know, think for a second they context. put it out without her knowing it? 
Uh, yeah, no, probably not. But but I think they probably said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna let some of this stuff out that's kind of spicy and hope that it gins up attention for the book. And everybody always loves to hear that like Diane Sawyer and Katie Couric hated each other, right? And so that's gonna you know juice up uh, sales. But you know, I think. All these relationships are quite interesting and nuanced in our business. I think we probably all think it's a lot more interesting than most people in America. I think most people in America are going to say that they'd love to hear a little bit about her career. I think they will also be interested in what she says about Matt Lauer. Um, so I, I think uh, I, I think it's a little overblown, to be honest with you. But I thought that interview was um, interesting. Well, but, you know, she did. Well, see, if that came out of nowhere... But she wrote that. Like, that was an excerpt out of the book. As like, I, I edited it out because I wanted to protect her. Right. And I don't know I don't know if I made the right decision. Of course you didn't make the right decision. Your big story, the, the sitting Supreme Court justice, as liberal as liberal gets, called out Colin Kaepernick. What the, I mean, I, if I, what I would think about a decision, you got to let it go. I mean, look, think about this. If you want to protect. But she's saying, it, I, I put the strongest language that Ruth Bader Ginsburg used into the interview and made clear that she was condemning his behavior. I didn't use another section of it. And she said, and I, and I thought about it afterwards. So this is the editorial process that, that plays out. And maybe it was a mistake. She said not to include that. So she's sort of letting the reader in to the process and how she edited it and how she thought about it. Um, you know, I, I think you have to kind of take that at face value. But uh, she also she kind of mixed I mean, it in. One thing, if you totally mischaracterize what she said, but it doesn't sound. And I, I need to uh, look at the whole thing. But she mixed it in with the burning of the flag, and I'm like, well, everyone, you know, a burning of the flag. I guess you can have that legal issue, mm-hmm. and that's in every law school uh, in the country. But if she just let that go, that would have been the headline everywhere. Ruth Bader Ginsburg called out Colin Kaepernick, and then the the Republicans would have been like, okay, have at it, guys. Right. Yeah, go call her right. out. Um, we'll see uh, about that now. You promised when we left that you'd eventually possibly tell me what's on your show. So I, I'm actually really looking forward to speaking with Ray LaHood, the former transportation secretary today, because I think a lot of people have rightfully asked what Pete Buttigieg has been doing as transportation secretary while all of these uh, containers are stacked up in an unprecedented way. It's good news. Uh, off of the coast of California. When, you know, so I'm going to talk to the transportation secretary, the former one, about exactly what is the responsibility of the job, because the ports actually does fall under the description of what the, at the oversight of the cabinet secretary, who oversees transportation and what could be happening. I see this as a huge missed opportunity for Pete Buttigieg. It's like, what do you want to do in your future, right? Do you want to run again? What if you're the guy who sort of, you know, wrangled uh, help? It went down there and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring in the National Guard for the next three weeks. We're going to get uh, transportation moving. We're going to get these chassis that they need for the trucks. Um, I'm going to oversee this personally. We're going to make sure. We're going to show you. This is an administration that believes that government should play a larger role in your lives, except when it's an opportunity for government to play a larger role in something like this, which I think is probably an appropriate role for government to step in and say, we need to help out with the resources we have, which are military. We could help move these things along. Um, And yet they don't want to touch it. So why is it government laissez-faire when it comes to this? And yet, you know, with vaccine mandates and the rest, it's the exact opposite. Listen to this tone, cut 23. It was clear in March of 2020 when COVID hit that, that the supply chains across the world had been disrupted. Even as, as the sort of work to fight back against COVID proceeded, people, it was, it was crystal clear that things were not improving on supply chain. People couldn't get dishwashers and, and furniture and treadmills delivered on time, not to mention all sorts of other things. 
So why the is the tragedy it- of the short the treadmill that's delayed? Right. Has she spoken with a, anyone who owns a business in this country? I really I, I'm I'm asking that in a sincere way because I have and I they will stunned. tell you that they don't have any of their supplies. You know, if you make candles, right, you can't get wax, you can't get whatever it is, right? Whatever the thing that you make is, you can't get the stuff that you need to make it. So you have all these orders coming in and you have to email your customers and say, We don't have it. We're not I'm sorry, but we can't fill that order. That this is an massive gumming up of the works of the United States economy. In a way that, and and to laugh at, to say that it's like, oh, the tragedy of the treadmill. Just keep saying, but stuff you like need this. to talk to people. They need to like bring in so a bunch of business owners to the White House and say, you know, let's talk about listening session. Have do it. Absolutely. Have them tell you what's going on because then you will understand what they, they brought in those and CEOs. And talk about inflation; it's going to drive all the place, all these prices even higher. And Martha, they brought in the CEOs two weeks ago or last week, and they they basically come up with we're going to get one port working twenty four hours a day. Wait a second, what else did they say? UPS had a FedEx. All these people are sitting there. What else did they tell you? And to your point, I thought Kamala Harris. People say, "Oh my goodness, Joe Biden setting her up to fail by giving her the border." I thought that was an opportunity. Take an impossible situation. It is Where's an Kamala Harris back in Bolivia? Where's Kamala Harris back in Venezuela? Yes. You know, not Venezuela, but uh, back in Central America, looking at the situation in Haiti is destabilizing. Meeting with the foreign minister of Panama after those statements, and what, people love hustle. Absolutely. People love hustle. And trying and, and to do just, things. And once again, the hypocrisy of an administration that says that government should do more. Yep. And yet when given the opportunity at the border and at, and off right. the coast of Los Angeles, they're they're like, we, we're, we're doing listening sessions and we're bringing in stakeholders and having them talk to each other. I don't want to tell you what to do with your career, but I see an editorial on FoxNews.com. Okay, All I'll right. work on it. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.